0: Welcome to Democratically 2020, the podcast all about the politics, policies, and personalities of the 2020 US election. I'm your host, Karen Robinson. So I am delighted today to welcome two guests um, onto our special first Debate Watch episode of, of Democratically 2020. First of all, I would like to welcome John Sturr, the journalist and creator of the editorial board newsletter and a previous guest and friend of this podcast. Welcome, John. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. And of course, a friend of this pod and, and frequent podcast guest, Emma Burnell, the political journalist. Hey, Emma.
1: Hiya.
0: Ah oh, yeah. So listen, it's been Quite a week. <laughs> um, we're here today to talk about that extraordinary and frankly disturbing debate that took place on Tuesday night. But before we dig into that, um, we just learned this morning that the president and the first lady of the United States have both tested positive for COVID nineteen. Um, they they appear to well they either contracted it from or around the same time as uh, the Trump uh, campaign staffer Hope Hicks who is symptomatic um, and tested positive herself on Wednesday. The president appears to have, after discovering that he potentially was exposed by um, Hope Hicks, still went on and attended a fundraiser on Thursday where where masks were not worn. Um, We're still processing this information. I'm sure more information about the president's condition will come out soon. But John, what was your first reaction on hearing this news?
2: Uh, My first reaction was, oh, he's got it. (laughs) And uh, my second reaction was, uh, I knew he was going to be in quarantine, um, given the Hope Hicks news. And he, he in fact, had tweeted about uh, Hope Hicks and that he would be immediately entering quarantine. My my immediate response to that was, he will never, there's a 0% chance he will isolate himself for 14 days. Um, but I guess we'll find out. As for his illness, um, I'm not sure really um, what di- really I'm not sure what difference it will make to the election. Uh, my my thinking is that virtually nothing has been, had any impact on uh, the polling, um, and you know we've been through some very serious. News cycles, and nothing has moved those, that's probably because most people, most of the time, have made up their minds and have had them made up since about February of 2017. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I, I don't, I honestly, I don't,
1: I think there will be some noise, yeah. but
2: um, I don't think there's going to be that much. I, I'm interested to hear counter arguments, of course.
0: Emma, I'm I'm curious. Obviously, we live in a country, and you are a, a journalist covering a country in which the Prime Minister of the UK himself contracted COVID. In fact, Boris Johnson was very, very ill some months ago. Do you see any kind of similarities between Johnson's situation and the president's? Um, or do you think do you think it, 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 the president the president's uh, reaction to his illness might be different?
3: Um, I think the president's reaction will probably be different. Um, While I'm clearly no fan of Boris Johnson, um, I think they, while we do sometimes refer to him as Trumpian, he's actually of a quite different temperament. Um, He he doesn't mind engaging in the populist politics of Trump, um, and he's not half as clever as he thinks he is just because he can spout a bit of bloody Latin. Um, (laughs) But... He, you know, he got a real scare from coronavirus and it actually did change his outlook for quite some time. Um, You know, he was, he was touch and go, he was 50-50 at one point, Um, you know, when when he was in ICU. It was, you know, genuinely, um, and the thing is, is I'm not like Trump. I don't want my political enemies to die. I want them to lose elections and possibly in Trump's case, go to jail for all the many, many frauds that he's clearly committed. Um so, yeah, you know, I, I, I want the president to get better and um, to beat it roundly and squarely.
0: Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. Um, I am like I think most Americans, I am fed up with the chaos and... Further illness and serious illness or death on the part of either candidate would just be more chaos. Like it it cannot be a good thing. Um, I do not wish anything other than a speedy recovery to both the president and the first lady, just because like, let's just run an election. Let's run a proper election and see what happens. Um, But there has already been conspiracy mongering about whether he really has it or not. I think people are overthinking this a little bit. You know, somebody who exposes himself to the public quite a lot, as Trump has, at a time of pandemic, has a high risk. That risk came true. Um, Let's hope that that's all it is.
3: I mean, this is a guy who lives for his rallies. There's no way he's going to announce something that keeps him locked in the House. However much, uh, you know, he did poorly and we'll come on to talk about the debate. Um but and I'm sure his advisors would love to lock him in the house for two weeks. But yeah, that ain't him.
0: <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. He he thinks he did a great job. Well, which actually nicely leads on to let let's talk about the debate. Speaking of illness and feeling very unwell. Um I, I, on Tuesday night, Joe Biden and Donald Trump met for the first of three planned presidential debates. Uh, the debate was widely seen at the time as a chaotic mess. Um, it was described pretty concisely by Dana Bash on CNN as a shit show. Um It was characterized by constant interruptions from the president, who barely let Joe Biden or even the moderator finish a single sentence that they spoke. Um, It included insults directed at the vice president's education, at his son, Hunter Biden. And there was a disturbing moment when he seemed to issue a battle command to the Proud Boys, a white supremacist organization, telling them to stand by and stand down. John, could you make any sense out of that? What were your overall impressions?
2: I, I'm of the general philosophy that you should trust your eyes and, they, and, and your ears, and he was doing exactly what he appeared to be doing uh, with respect to the white supremacist groups. He was—he understood that yet a condemnation of them publicly <coughs> would. Uh, condemnation of them publicly would hurt him in some fashion Um, and you know the other the the, the takeaway I think that most people are not seeing from the debates is is how well you know Biden is 77 years old you know he's going to do as well as a 77 year old very on top of his game 77 year old is going to do but he, he really did um, do the only thing you can do with an authoritarian-minded person. You know, you can't debate him. There's there. He doesn't. He will not agree to a common understanding of, of what facts mean. So therefore, you cannot engage in debate. There is no kind of social contract in which if that's the context for engagement. There's that's just not possible. So what he did, what I, what I have written about in the editorial board, is a combination of things that were very instinctive on him, for his part. I think I don't, I really don't think he pre-planned this, but it was a combination of mockery, you know, uh, calling him a clown, calling him Putin's puppy, saying he just doesn't know what he's talking about, uh, also not giving him any respect, uh, not necessarily contempt. You know going out of his way to disrespect him but not offering it either right he's not open to to um to trump's uh attacks and but especially in telling him to shut up yeah um that was, that was really key and the, just to draw just to maybe set some kind of theme for us I, I saw at least two instances of more shutting him up later or shutting up trump people later on um the, the following day, Jack Taper, who is a CN, one of CNN's uh, top news anchors, was interviewing a Trump campaign uh, communication guy. And this guy was just, like, vomiting out um, rhetoric, basically trying to impugn the character of Joe Biden. And Taper was like, you know, I'm done. I, I'm going to cut. I just cut. He just cut him off. He's just... Didn't argue with him, you know, usually what they do is they'll have some kind of argument that will be a nice viral clip, right? Yeah. You know, so it's like Jack Taper slams Trump campaign. He didn't do that. He was like, oh, Just done, there. and he couldn't turn the camera off. So that's shutting him up. And then, um, even more consequently, the uh, Commission for Presidential Debates announced within hours of Tuesday's debate that there would be real changes. Uh, that would include the impossibility of the moderator cutting off Trump's mic yeah. and shutting him up, right? It's just that there is no other possible way. And the, the larger thing here is how tolerant uh, can a free and open society be of the intolerant? Yeah. Well, at some point you have to ask yourself, or well, you have to say to yourself, we can no longer be tolerant with these people because they are abusing our tolerance of them. Yeah. Right? The more we engage, the more good faith we give them, the more they punch us in the face. So we have, you have to decide to stop. And I think I, I feel like there's something of that nature going on. And I'll just stop there.
0: Emma, why don't you just shut up, man? Good slogan for the Biden campaign. I was feeling it. <laughs> um.
3: I think it's a good slogan for fundraising merch. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's going to convince anyone um that isn't already convinced. Yeah. Um I think to be honest Trump did that for well enough of Biden. Biden all Biden had to do was stand back and let Trump be Trump um because he was such a mess. Uh you know, not just a disgrace but a mess. Um that you know it really was yeah, you know, Biden got a bit tetchy at times and the shut up man um, was part of that, but mostly he just stood back and went like, like the American people were almost certainly doing. <laughs> For
0: my listeners, Emma is making a shrugging gesture, <laughs> which is great audio. <laughs> yeah,
3: sorry. <laughs> but you know, um, what the, it, it was like watching a whirling dervish, you know, there was... And you could see what Trump was trying to do, I think. Um he was trying to knock Joe Biden off his stride, um, trying to dominate, do that alpha male thing. But he had no substance to it. So it just yeah. didn't come across I mean, you know, the people who love him will have loved it, the people who hate him will have hated it, and the people who are still making up their minds, um, from what I understand from polling and focus groups and things, were not impressed.
0: Yeah. Um, so that's that's a point worth noting. So there have been several um, scientifically conducted post-debate polls now, so we have a sense of, of what the reaction to the debate was um, in a more measured way than just the instant polls. Although everything's been the same, basically everything has said um, that people felt that Biden won the debate, that they felt that Trump was unpresidential, that he didn't have good answers. Um, so that's, you know, from a from a horse race point of view, that feels like good news. But this debate overall felt like bad news for just being an American. Uh, don't don't you agree? I mean, I, I came away from it thinking, do you know that what's interesting is I would have really liked to hear from Joe Biden about some things like I, I would have liked to hear him laying out some of his policies, I would like to hear his take on some of these issues. We haven't heard that much from from Joe Biden, because the campaign has been so curtailed by COVID. And although I think, you know, it won't hurt him in any way in the horse race, I do think, you know, as a just as a matter of good American governance, it would be helpful for the voters to have had the opportunity to have heard what a Biden presidency might look like, um, and they didn't get that. John, do you think that's that's a problem for Joe or for America?
2: I I, I think I think there's something to be said for that uh, lamentation <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I think, but also I think, um, well, a couple of things. Voters probably don't base their votes on policy and substance uh, they base it more on who they identify with particularly uh, which party they identify with and its values uh, particularly its values um, policies um, may may or may not if policies really mattered then um, you know young people would always come out for uh, somebody who mentions climate change but you know young people don't so um, The other thing, too, is that what's really important, I think, is the reaction to this debate. If there were a muted reaction, not just on the part of Republicans who are distancing themselves, but, I mean, on respectable white people's parts, especially, meaning the people who wear the ties and go on TV and and are given huge benefits of the doubt uh, and, and are respected and they and whatever they say tends to be conventionalism those people are reacting in, in the ways that we want that that uh, liberal democratic Americans want to see uh, and I mean democratic with a small D right. we want to see people reacting in 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 harsh way and, con- and the consent debates almost never matter when it comes to uh, a, a reaction it's like they happen and then they just disappear and we move on to the next thing this was not one of those this is still talking about it all the way on Friday right and that matters and 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 so people are, people are deciding to change the rules like I talked about the Commission you know there's people are deciding to not tolerate some some points of view depending on if they are 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 appropriate for the public square, journalists in particular are starting to take what I have been rallying for for a long time, trying to take responsibility for the integrity and health of the public square and not just letting liars lie. The next next thing I hope will happen is uh, to not let uh, their sources lie. Meaning, like the Joe Schmo who's from Buffalo who's going to vote for Trump, those people lie because they believe those lies, and then the reporter writes down the lies and, lets them, and launders them as a result. I hope that we see people, reporters on the ground being more critical of their sources and not letting them lie yeah. as much. So this kind of thing is really helpful for democracy,
0: yeah. Um, absolutely, I think the media has in some ways, I feel like the media hasn't learned very many lessons from 2016. Um, I think, as you alluded to, they're starting to maybe understand that it's just not helpful to let some people speak if you know that they're going to speak on truth. But why invite them on in the first place if you're going to shut off their camera after a minute, right? You know, it's not like you should expect them to come on and tell the truth to you. Um, but Emma, I mean, given that, that's, that that is the media landscape and that that is the situation and that Biden has had a lot of kind of communications disadvantages in trying to run against a, a media dominating U.S. president. Um, what do you think was his strategy going into this debate? Um, and how do you think it how, do, how well do you think it worked for for Joe Biden um, in the shower of shit that he was handed? What was he? Was, was he able to kind of deliver anything that looked like it it, it might have been a plan or was he just playing catch up all night from your point of view?
3: No, I think he clearly got back onto his plan every time he looked down the lens of the camera.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, Joe Biden went to that debate not to talk to Donald Trump, not to talk to Chris Wallace, but to talk to the American people. And that's when he had his best moments. Um, he was the reassuring dad guy. You know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And so he was I'm sorry to jump in there, but he in that mm-hmm. ignoring. He really reduced Trump to the presence of like a toddler tantrum, you know, like, it's like two adults talking while the kid is like, that was, that was, was, I, to add more to this, the shrinking of Trump down to a toddler, that effect, I think, was very impressive. Yeah, Um, some subliminal effect on voters.
3: And I think that bit at the end, where he kind of reassured voters that the chaos is going to end, yeah. Um, and you know, and he was like, "I will, of course, abide by any decision that's made." Um, you know, he, he was kind of, I say, being reassuring. That was kind of, I think, his his role was to say, "Look, you know, it doesn't have to be chaotic. It doesn't have to be crazy. You, we're, we're all tired of the crazy." Um, Let me step in. I'm a grown up. I will be, as as John was saying, the grown up in the
0: room. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I actually, for me, I think my highlight of the night from a Biden point of view was the moment when he turned to the camera and he just said, He doesn't get to decide. Trump doesn't get to decide if he stays in power. You decide if he stays in power. And I felt like that was a great and really important message to convey because I think there is so much anxiety. Mm -hmm. And the danger from a Democratic point of view is that if people feel like their vote's not going to count, they may not vote. And there's a lot of data that says, actually, although Democrats always think, oh, we'll scare them into it, we'll make them realize. The reality is that swing voters and and unreluctant voters or or kind Mm -hmm. of sporadic voters, if they feel like... it's going to be scary to go to the polling place if they feel like their vote's not going to matter or it's all fixed or there's a cheat. They tend to stay at home. And so it's really important for Biden to put it out there that, like, he's just shouting. He he doesn't have this power. He can't keep you from making a decision on behalf of the, uh, the American people. So I thought that was a really good message. John, John, what were did you think was, uh, did you have any highlights from from Biden's performance? Well, the, the, that was one of the highlights for sure. The the uh, reissue
2: uh the reestablishment of of public faith in democratic institutions for sure now, now the, other, the, the the reality is that um trump will ha- he he doesn't decide but he has an <laughs> enormous power, <laughs> yeah. right for the united states government and they the, a lot of the united states government has been trumpified yeah um so his and the number of tools he has to uh, not necessarily stay in power but to money up the result of the election so that nobody can really figure out who won and who yeah. lost uh, that that is the reality we're all facing Tr- Biden did the right thing in reassuring us of our of of having, so that yes, it's okay to have faith in democratic institutions. But you shouldn't, I have been arguing that you cannot have too much faith. You can't have um, a blind
1: faith, because when you do, you think, it doesn't matter if I don't vote or not,
2: because it'll be okay. We need to have a more, we meaning citizens need to be more worried uh, about our democracy and the fact, the fact is that not enough people are
0: yeah I, I totally agree with that I think I think from a, from, a, from a Biden point of view you want to do two things. you want to assure the voters that their vote is going to count. And urge them to go and do that, play their role, and then you want an army of people who are preparing you for every possible scenario under the sun. We want lawyers. We want, you know, we want political strategists. We want, you know, even like media people. We want to. We want to be working the refs right now so that the media reports on this accurately. So, and I think they've been doing a lot of that. I've seen a lot of real efforts to influence, kind of helping helping the media. Kind of commit themselves to covering election night, for example, responsibly. Because if they call the election before all the absentee votes are counted, that will be a great injustice. Even if they just report on the provisional counts, it could be a grave injustice to democracy. Um, so I think you know you want to you want to have a very comforting message to voters, and you want to scare the shit out of all your people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Emma. Yeah any thoughts on um did did, so we talked about highlight moments for biden did trump have did trump have any moments where you felt like he might have done himself any good
3: um he had a couple of good prepared lines that he remembered to use but he didn't have the game changer that he that the polling would indicate that he needed um yeah there was no moment where you thought oh yeah he is quite presidential he has grown into the role hasn't he
0: (laughs) (laughs) no Um,
3: And trying to have um, the same kind of dynamic that he had with Hillary. But um, I don't think people feel about Joe Biden the way they felt about Hillary. So it didn't have the same effect. It just looked. And I mean, I think if I'm going to try and both sides this, great people on both sides, um... I felt a bit sorry for Joe Biden at times, and that's not the way you want to be regarded as a presidential candidate. Um, yeah. So that would concern me if I was on the Biden team, just because, you know, it, it, Trump's a bully yeah, and he was being bullied. And that, you know, I obviously had huge sympathy for that, but I don't know how well that goes down. You, know, it, you don't want to have your presidential can- candidate having sympathy for <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, that was Trump's whole strategy, wasn't it? His whole strategy was... Th- aim a fire hose at Biden, trip him up. Specifically, I I do think part of what he had in his head was that he knows Biden is a stutterer. Stutterers often need a moment to gather their thoughts or need to choose their words carefully. Stutterers also, um, you know, being interrupted is very challenging for a stutterer. It, you know, really throws them off. People who really need to focus on getting their words out right. And I think he he was counting. On having Biden flail uh make a gaffe, say something wrong, or you know trip up, and he uh, didn't really i I felt like you say he felt pity for him i I felt a lot of empathy. you could watch him word by word. Biden was just trying to get something out there. It was painful i mean it was really excruciating to watch, but I'm not sure you know it didn't help Biden, but I'm not sure it helped Trump at all. um, I don't know it's it'll be interesting to see how people react, but it didn't seem like the public reacted that way john what
2: do you what do you think yeah biden biden didn't crack in any way i mean whatever i think there's might be i I, i'm sorry to split hairs but there might be a difference between sympathy and pity yeah like pity meaning oh poor joe you know i don't think people felt that i felt i think to the extent that they felt sympathy they're like that asshole trump Look what he's making! You know, would you like to be sitting there getting bullied like that? No, but and then at the same time, because of the you know the things that you mentioned earlier about Biden doing, you know, turning to the camera, telling him to shut up, calling him a clown. You know, you're like these were justified moments on Biden's part, especially the looking at the camera part. Like yeah. I'm trying to be, I'm really trying to be the adult here and look right at you and tell you. <laughs> That I'm, I'm going to be the president of all Americans, not just Democrats, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, that, that moment when he said, um, he looked at the camera and said, I know you're sitting there next to an empty chair yeah. because someone you love died from COVID. You know, they're, they're, he's speaking from the heart. <clears throat> not, 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 an interesting thing that might, we might segue to is that we have two WYSIWYG presidential candidates. Yeah. Ms. Voting, you,
0: what you, you see is what you get.
2: Yeah, you know, they're really, they're really both pretty one-dimensional candidates. In that, um, well, Trump is what he is, exactly what he appears to be. There is no strategy, uh, and, and I think also Biden, there is no strategy either. Like he really is who he is, all, flaws and all. Yeah. Not, he's not cagey like Obama. He's not cagey like like George W. Bush. You know, they're they you know which. We, the political watchers, are always wondering what's happening inside the what you know. Well, what's really going on? What's, what are the insiders saying? Well, there is no inside and outside. It's like it's all right there. Yeah. <laughs> Both of these candidates, and it's in, 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 and it, and it's it's indicative, I think, of the moral moment we're in. Like you can choose good or you can choose evil, <laughs> and it's just so clear which yeah. is which. And uh, I, I think. You, Assuming that we have a fair election, assuming there isn't other shenanigans. I think most people, most of the time, understand and have understood that what the clear answer is. Even before we knew who the the Democratic candidate was. I mean, it was like, whoever the the Democrat is, that's better.
0: (laughs) I I think that's that's a really great point. And actually, I was thinking recently about the first... Um, Mitt Romney versus Barack Obama debate um, of 2012, where you may remember Romney was widely perceived as having won that debate. And I remember I, I did media commentary the morning after, but Obama didn't have a great night. Romney was perceived as having a very smooth night, but he just lied through his teeth. I mean, he he came out there and he literally said that my health care plan does X, Y, Z and his health care plan doesn't like the, it wasn't there. He, or he said, like everything he said, the description of the Obama campaign, uh, the Obama administration and his his description of his own plans was just not true. Um, and so I had to go out on the media and say, like, he gave a very smooth, polished performance of a pack of lies. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, last Tuesday night's performance was a. Rough and horrible presentation of a pack of lies by Donald Trump. <laughs> I'm actually quite glad that he he his affect and his presentation did not have the smoothness and the professionalism of Mitt Romney because I think he could have gotten away with quite a lot of of his packs of lies. um and and indeed, you know, had had he allowed Joe Biden to speak, you know, Joe Biden might indeed have, Flubbed himself, flubbed it, what have you he, Because he didn't get a word in edgewise He almost not, had no chance to make a mistake So I'm I'm quite glad that Trump decided to be himself On that debate stage Only I know it, it was unpleasant to watch But it was clarifying
2: If I may bring in a, a, a third commentator Who is my wife <laughs> um, She made, made a great observation That would be helpful to your listeners, I think And she said that biden truly intimidates trump mm. um that like remember remember the debates with hillary clinton you know they were really awful because he was standing behind her and he was just like creepy and right um i mean because a woman wasn't going to intimidate him no matter who that woman was right he just had he's that kind of um misogynist but an a, a older white established statesman Right, who's also been vice president, right? Who already has forty-seven years in, in in the federal government? That's a truly intimidating person to him, and he knows that a lot of his followers are going to be like, "Hey, you know Joe. Yeah, Joe's, Joe's all right, you know." And, and so, and it, it, and he, he gave a response. He gave the kind of performance, the flailing performance that Mitt Romney would never would have done because Mitt Romney was not. Would never have been so intimidated because Mitt Romney has, for all all his flaws, he does have an inner core. (laughs) He (laughs) does have strength.
0: He is a functioning human being.
2: Yeah. Anything for Trump, right? It's all crust on the outside, this thin crust. And you can just poke it a little bit and he breaks, right? He's truly a weak person. And we saw that on Tuesday. Yeah.
0: So, Assuming that there is going to be another presidential debate, um, it would happen. <laughs> and, you know, hey, all bets are off at this point. Um, who but knows? If, if Trump has to isolate for two weeks, won't he miss at least one of them. So there's, yeah, so the timing is pretty narrow on that. Um, so it would be the, the next debate is scheduled for two weeks away. Um, so the ne- next week we've got the vice presidential debate, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, and the week after that is the town hall debate. Um, I think the, the formal recommendation is uh, in the US is to quarantine for 10 days from from uh, from diagnosis, but I, 14 would be better. I mean, I doubt President Trump will be able to stay inside for a day, unless he gets really, really sick, in which case he'll be hospitalized because, you know, he's a whiny baby. Well, I
3: mean, um, not a lot of those, the, yeah, the, the the indicators that would mean COVID would be worse for him. You know, he's yeah. overweight, he's older, he
0: doesn't have a great diet, Can I just share with you my favorite Twitter comment that I've seen today, which is that, which is exactly what you just said, that, that, that Trump shares. So all of the attributes that are high risk factors, he is overweight, he is over, he is older, he is low income. I was like, that's the best. (laughs) Now that we've seen his tax returns and we know he's like (laughs) negative, uh, negative income. Anyway. Um, so let's,
3: to argue um on the debate that he both paid loads of taxes and didn't pay loads of taxes. it was a really weird sort of two-pronged approach,
0: yeah it was I think terribly ineffective what he was trying to say badly was that he paid lots of payroll taxes and sales tax and all these sorts of things, which is neither here nor there like of course you you're required to that's fine that's but yes. that's not federal income tax. Um, so, yeah, actually, the the tax thing didn't, I think, didn't think get, got the kind of clear presentation that it deserved in the debate it might come up in the next one, um, well, if we, there is a next one. We
3: talk about the moderator, because although he had a bloody difficult job, he did it badly.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure there was a better way to approach that. I,
3: like, what well, would, I think he just let Trump get away with it too much at the beginning. He only really started stepping in about a third of the way through, and it was it kind of set a tone,
0: I thought. I don't know. I thought I thought right from the start that he just he did seem a little taken aback. I don't think Chris Wells quite knew what to do, but but I I thought he was trying to rein him in. It just wasn't effective, and then he kept escalating his interventions. I don't know, John. What did you think? Good moderation, bad moderation?
2: You know, I I I, I defer to the actual broadcasters I am in contact with, and the, the, I, I presume that they would have a toolkit full of tools that you you could use in uh dealing with a live tv moment i don't have those tools i kind of take it more as a normal person point of view and i i I think what can you do to someone who uh has betrayed your agreement to obey the rules right so i I don't i I i thought chris wallace's uh questions some of them were rather conservative, but that doesn't bother me. Either. I mean, so you what? Know, let just let Biden answer those questions. Um, most of them were all about, you know, that were fact based, you know, it was like, You know, do you bring up any silly conspiracy theories or or Mm -hmm. leading the the witness kind of questions? I thought thought he did okay. I know it's not a great answer, but... (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, I think, I think, I'm not sure. I think that he needs to have the moderator in future, and I think this is one of the things that the Commission on Presidential Debates is hopefully going to do, is they need a a mute button, right? Like, we all need a Trump mute mute button, frankly, (laughs) Like, you just need to be able to, like, we switch the mic off of anyone who's not speaking. That's it, right? Like, don't don't reward bad behavior. Um, but okay, so let's assume, so if there is going to be another debate, and it's still an open question whether that will happen, given, as you say, the quarantine uh, restrictions, but assuming that it happens, the next one is meant to be a town hall format, if you are, Emma, advising the Biden campaign, um, learning from the experience of this debate and thinking forward to the next one, what would you be having Joe Biden do now to prepare? And what might you do differently in the next debate, if anything?
3: Um, I think that his team should be basically just screaming like a like like Zoo TV. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, Trial I, by fire. I'm kidding. He, they, they need to go absolutely ape constantly. Whenever he's practicing, so that he can get more and more comfortable with the fact that that's going to happen, and then I again, I think just revert to that. This isn't a conversation with Donald Trump; it's a conversation with the American people. mm Start.
2: Yep. I I take a slightly different, well, I guess maybe a very different (laughs) approach. the thing about town halls is that they're, the questions you get from normal people they're always about substance okay. they're not about pro- political process or you know um horse race they're not about usually never about that it's always about like what are you going to do about this problem that i see it that i think is a problem and that's a great chance for biden to connect first of all first of all talk about substance to connect with people and say, yes, I see that, that it's a problem and I have these solutions for you. Uh, also, this guy over here, he doesn't care. He doesn't care that, that you even have this problem, right? And, he, and he's not, all he's gonna do is tear me down so that he doesn't have to talk about your problem, right? And then and then maybe throw in some aggressive you know, aggression, uh, uh, yeah. uh, so that, the town halls provide that opportunity that the other ones don't, don't give.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's, I, I agree with that. I actually had a very specific uh, build on that, which is in line with what you're saying. I watched, um, there was a really fascinating front lunch fo- focus group with undecided voters um, mm-hmm. afterwards. I watched the whole hour of it because it was just fascinating to really hear directly from, from these voters who seemed really smart, you know, like they were not... Um, they were informed, just differently informed, right? They were getting their news from clearly very different sources, but they were they cared and they were interested and they were just really confused. And I think they were just genuinely did not know what the two the positions of the two candidates were and were really struggling to get that information. And and I think from following that debate, their their tone was very much like I don't know what was that, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I and and I uh, so I would say in the next debate, I think. Biden did a good job of being prepared to challenge Trump and point out what Trump's done wrong. I think in the next debate, just as he's done before with preparing to look to camera and speak directly to the American people, I think he needs to do that, speak also to the people in the town hall. And I think he needs to have three or four statements lined up that start with. So here's what I'm going to do. Right. (laughs) Because I think. Because of all the interruptions, he never managed to get to that. So I think he needs to like, whatever the question is and whatever Trump is shouting at him, everything he needs to say with start with is here's what I'm gonna do. Blah, 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 blah. And then he can do, it. and this guy's got no plan. He's got nothing. I think that's established, but he needs to start building a story around what a Trump president what a Biden presidency looks like. Because I think he just hasn't had any chance to do that at all. And I don't even just mean policy. I you know, I could mean it could mean, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna call Congress back into session, we're gonna have a meeting like here's what i'm going to do i'm going to meet with some foreign leaders we're going to do this like it doesn't matter what it is it just here's what i'm going to do
2: right right take have some take charge quality, but but, but lead at the same time you're not handing down mandates you're leading uh, the country forward and modeling them through as best you can it's a big mess we're going to fix we're going to we're going to face it and do the best we can but and and, pe- and the pep talk too, like yeah. the re- people are really starving for like positive pep talk. Yeah. Um, I think we, that kind of brings us back to the beginning of this of this uh, discussion. You know where he was like, "Don't worry, the trans- peaceful transition of power will happen, or at least transition of power will happen <laughs> <If>
0: Something <laughs> will happen."
2: <laughs> you know, um, yeah, and, and he can. Pr- I mean, frankly. Um, by way of talking about his policy he he can exude presidentiality you know like i am a person who looks like he should be president compared to this guy right i mean and what's wonderful at this moment in this camp in this election cycle is that we're finding at that moment where we can see two people side by side right and we can just be like one of these is better than the other right and you and the choice becomes really clear. Voting behavior is really mysterious. It's like how why people make decisions is nobody really knows. It just it's kind of magical. <laughs> um, but but what we, what we do know is that clarity. The moments of clarity are really important, and usually those are time. It's about timing. Like this is the time when people start to be really. They start to really pay attention. And, and, the, and the two can, the party candidates are picked and cleared, and all that messy inter-party stuff is gone. Yeah. Uh, no more summer vacation, you know, we're back into it. And, and the so sort of moment, these moments of clarity, I'm even seeing uh, little things in the press uh, about undecided voters. It seems to me, and this is um, maybe projecting. But I see I, I'm looking at two things. One, they're trying to rationalize why they should stick with Trump. Yeah. Or they're rationalizing what to get out of having supported Trump. It seems to be like yeah. two different directions. One, um, I don't want to be I I don't want to be embarrassed in public for being a fascist. Yeah. But on the other <laughs> point, like, oh, I really made a big mistake. How am I going to not even be embarrassed? <laughs>
0: I think that's I think that second that second point is really in, is really important because that's that's Joe Biden's mission, right? Like he may never win over the people who want to support Trump and are just looking for an excuse to, but there is a huge group of voters. I mean, we know from twenty sixteen that a lot of the people who voted for Trump don't like him, right? His favorability was much much lower than his vote, so there are a lot of people who just don't like Trump but voted for him. And so the job now is to build a bridge to saving face for those people so he needs to give them not just trump is awful there has to be a look You know he lied to you he wasn't square he wasn't straight you know you you you, you gave him a chance and he wasn't up to the job now you got to fire him like it has to be that messaging because if it's just he's evil and he's a fascist which is all true (laughs) that doesn't build a bridge for those people yeah
3: no absolutely and you know what you don't want to do is send people in a fit of pique back to trump because they don't feel valued or welcomed into the fold um, you know, however cross we may be that they put him in the White
0: House in the first place. Yeah. You hold your tongue, man. It has to be like, open arms, welcome back, we will hug you close, you are very welcome. And that's where I think, like, I don't even think people like the Lincoln Project, etc., I don't necessarily think they move a lot of voters, but I think it's important to signal that we are not going to cast out anyone who is on our side, like anybody who wants to get together and help us save American democracy, they are welcome. Um, and I think but biden is pretty good at that actually that's a that's a pretty good role for him he, he's, he's comfortable in
2: that yeah six spoke at the, like, the convention Colin powell uh cindy McCain endorsed him cindy yeah. McCain is Tom McCain's widow. Uh, all of these like res- still highly respected um somewhat milk toast uh, republicans coming up these are the, these are the white normies I was talking about before the respect the white people, right, who are coming out and saying, you know, Biden's not so bad. You giving giving Republicans permission to change their minds. Yeah, for yeah, sure.
0: Hundred percent. Right. Um. Shall we play the gut check game? Sure. Right. I have in front of me some quotes and sayings that were heard during the debate by either of the two candidates. I will now pick them at random and we're each just going to react to them a little bit. Um, And I hope and I think, you know, hopefully um, just, yeah, see, see what we think. Check our guts. Sure. Uh, So here's the first one. Uh, This is a quote from Biden. He says, because he, in fact, speaking about Trump, he, in fact, already has cost 10 million people their health care that they had from their employers because of his recession. Number one. Number two, there are 20 million people getting health care through Obamacare. Now he wants to take that away. He won't ever look you in the eye and say that that's what he wants to do. Take it away.
2: (laughs) I love that looking you in the eye thing. That's so <laughs> Biden.
0: It's so Biden, so isn't Biden. it? Like, just look me in the eye, man.
2: <laughs> look me in the eye, right? It's that very old-fashioned, my real my bond kind of attitude.
0: Like, my yeah, grandfather built this country. <laughs> Sorry, now.
3: basically Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Biden goes well, to Washington. definitely worse worst things to be. <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely. At least he's not John Wayne. He um, doesn't really. Bring- I'm John Wayne. We want Jimmy Stewart. The
3: thing is, is um, Donald Trump thinks he's John Wayne, but is actually not at all. He's, you know, he, he hasn't got that alpha thing in him.
0: Yeah, He yeah. just
3: likes to do a good impression of it.
0: Yeah, no, but D- 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 Donald, Donald Trump, Trump is, Trump is Al, Capone Al, Capone Al Capone from The Untouchables. The untouchables.
2: <laughs> I think of him as Wiley Coyote. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: he thinks he's a genius. <laughs>
3: That moment when Wiley Coyote realizes that he's run over the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we saw at that debate.
2: Right. <laughs> he's like, if I just don't look down, I'll be okay.
0: <laughs> and today he looked down. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Should we do another one? Um, sure. Here's one from Trump. Oh, this was hilarious. He says, uh, this is about the wildflowers in California. He was asked every year. I get the call. California's burning. California's burning. If that was clean, if that were, if you had forest management, good forest management, you wouldn't be getting those calls. In Europe, they live their, they live in their forest cities. They call forest cities. They maintain their forests.
2: I defer to the Europeans on this. I have no idea what
0: he
3: was talking about. <laughs> you and I wander around Epping Forest quite regularly, so you know there, there's a forest on our doorstep, and, and we probably do have more forestry management simply because we have more state in the UK. But uh, that's not why California's on fire.
1: Um,
3: you know there are things you can do in mitigation but there are probably a hundred things you do before starting talking about um, forestry management Um you yeah, know it, it's climate change you've yeah, got yeah. to deal with climate change and possibly like um, make gender reveal parties a hanging offense <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, the context of this question was, he was asked to confirm whether he thought man-made climate change was was real, and he went, yeah, maybe, <laughs> you know, um, and, you know, he's challenged the science, and then he just talks about raking forests. I mean, it is worth saying, just on a factual point, that the California forests that are on fire are mostly federally managed, so if he thinks that they should be better managed, he can do that.
2: There is no, there's nothing too ridiculous no lie too big that he will not reach for to avoid committing himself to anything, right? He just, he, he cannot be trusted to, to to stick to anything. I mean, that's what, that's wonderful binary with Biden. Like, look me in the eye, you know, yeah. I you can trust me, right? And uh, boy, I mean, the thing about white supremacy, or at least the, the brand that, just this this Trump's politics is that it's truly built on a house of cards. Mm. You know, like it's, it's weak people, morally weak people, who are pretending to be strong, and and the moment they face real hardship, they co- they collapse, right? Um, it, but but they'll be the first to mock somebody who who is facing hardship. You know, it's it, there's nothing he won't reach to, and that's why. So that, going, going back to the forest thing, it's like that is such patent like it's, it's just
0: nonsense.
2: The forest floor is going to prevent forest fires. I mean, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs>
0: what? I think it's what just, the fuck is that? Is that is probably the best possible summary of that debate.
2: That's what, and, and so you know, there's nothing that he won't reach for. I mean, most normal people would be like, no, that's too ridiculous. I'm not gonna embarrass myself. <laughs> not trust <dumb>, no. <laughs> him.
0: Right. um, I've got one here. Here's another one. Uh, This was a moment that kind of tore at my heart, actually, to be honest. So um, Trump is shouting at Biden. Biden's trying to talk about his son, Beau Biden. Trump's shouting, what about Hunter Biden? And then accuses and starts shouting that Hunter was dishonorably discharged from the military for cocaine use, which is not true. Biden comes back with this. My son, my son, my son, like a lot of people at home, had a drug problem. He's overtaken it. He's fixed it. He's worked on it. And I'm proud of him. I'm proud of my son.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, no moral core. I'm Trump's.
0: Yeah. I mean, the,
3: the, the pivot from Bo to Hunter was so disrespectful. It was horrible. Um, and you think, yeah, this is a country that wow. venerates the military. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, uh, far more than I would, but, you know. (laughs) Um, And you just think nobody watching that can think that that's okay. Um, I mean, of course, 40% of the country will think it's okay because everything Trump does is okay. But I I just feel like, who was that for? Um, Too often, like, Trump would do stuff like comment on the debate, like you just lost the left and all of that stuff. And it's like, What? <laughs> you're not tweeting now, dude. You're debating. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, the thing is, that, the, the way I see it is that he has cultivated a brand of authenticity by violating well established taboos. Like, no one. It, unless they are knee or have mental problems, would go ahead and piss on somebody's grave. Yeah. Even if you didn't know who that person was, very few people would, like, go do that in order to show some kind of toughness or whatever. But this is a guy who will go and piss on somebody's grave. Yeah. Not just anybody's grave, but, like, a veteran's grave. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all in a cemetery. Go piss on a hero's grave. Yeah. Right? Like, that, that's the kind of person... That,
0: I think I think your I think authenticity is the key word here because I think what you have here is a fantastic example of two people, one of whom Trump is playing the part of authenticity, mm-hmm. and has never had a real thought or human emotion in his life, and another person, Joe Biden, who is just exactly who he is can't be any different than that and is led from completely led from love. And I thought the fact that on the national debate stage, you know, on that moment that he he took the moment to say, I'm proud of my son. Yes, he had a drug problem. I love he didn't have to do that. He could have gone back to, you know, why are you attacking the military? He just stood up there and he's like, I love my son. Yes, he has had a drug problem and I'm proud of him. Like that, that's a genuinely authentic thing to do. That is the reaction of a father who's like, before anything else, I will defend my son. He he needs to know that I love him. That was a, that was like a, wow, that was a very, very telling moment on the part of the two of them, right? And I can't imagine Trump being similarly kind and loving to any of his children ever,
2: Right, what a great point you're making. You know, that the first thing he thinks of is to say publicly, I love my son. Yeah. Instead of any any other things that are on his mind, obviously, because he's in the middle of this yeah. debate. But the first thing he thinks of and so that, right, that tells you the kind of person he is. And then again, he's the WYSIWYG president. Yeah. You know, he is what he appears to be. And flaws and all, right? right? used to gaff. We used to, remember the, remember the old days when we talked about gaffes?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, done with that.
2: I'm <laughs> done with that. Like, I didn't mean nothing. <laughs> and we'll take the gaffes and we'll be like, yeah, come on, Biden, give me some gaffes. Give me some more." <laughs> uh Here's
0: uh, here's another one. Uh, so this is Trump talking... Uh, so Biden was talking about um, healthcare and how Trump can't be trusted on healthcare and Trump throws out, you don't trust Johnson and Johnson, Pfizer. I
2: have, can you tell your readers what I'm doing right now? I was like, <laughs> I'm telling listeners, I am just pulling my eyelids out.
3: Um... I mean, the thing is, yes, of course, I trust the scientists who work for them. I, I probably trust the scientists who work for Oxford University more because, you know, Patriotism <laughs> <and> or something, <laughs> um, but but Johnson and Johnson and Pfizer. But what they're saying is, we're not going to be ready. Like, even if we develop a vaccine by the end of this year, it's not going to be ready for to go out until the middle of next year. That's what the scientists are saying. Yeah. Yes. And whether they're from the private sector or the public sector, that they, yeah, there's uniformity on that message. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah they're not going to. They're not going to like go on a limb. A gigantic corporation is not going to be like, you know, yeah, we're going to have, they, they, they value their reputations. Yeah. <laughs> Such simple things, right? Don't lie like that if you value your reputation.
3: Yeah, yeah exactly. And, you know, um, there are almost certainly a lot of negotiations going on behind the scenes about the costs of these things. Right. Um, and that's going to be a real issue. Um, but ultimately, again, I can't quite work out the logic of Trump promising something he knows he can't deliver, and that that non-delivery will
0: happen right up until
3: the election.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, he's stupid. I mean, <laughs> throwing it out there? <laughs>
2: well, if I, if I offer some insight, I really think there is um, nothing matters to him more than what's right in front of him at that moment. Mm yeah but, you know it's hard to it's really hard for normal people to imagine nihilism of such a pure in such a pure form but that's that's what you're seeing you know that there is no tomorrow and i will not be held accountable for tomorrow what i have said today but if i can win however he defines that right now i will do that and i will do anything to win even if i have to reach for the most absurd Statements about raking forest floors or telling you that a a vaccine is coming tomorrow or whatever. He's going to feel like I will do that if I can win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If there's a cheeseburger in front of me, I'm going to eat the cheeseburger.
2: Yes. Yes. No no matter what tomorrow brings. Um, And that's uh, a, a highly valued trait among those with a fetish for dominance. Right, you know, right. I mean, that's. I don't mean that nice. That the bad kind of dominance, not the uh, not the good.
0: Kind of <laughs> not the good dominance.
1: Yeah.
2: Evil dominance is what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> <It's a
3: comfort laughs> evil rather than um, Doctor No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so, um, So final one, and then we'll wrap up. Um, This was an extraordinary one. Uh, Donald Trump uh, says to to Biden, did you use the word smart? So you (gasps) went to Delaware State, but you forgot the name of your college. You didn't go to Delaware State. You graduated either the lowest or almost the lowest in your class. Don't ever use the word smart with me. Don't ever use that word.
3: I mean, it's just, it's a fairly classic tactic to push back on what is your weakness. Donald Trump is not seen as smart. So he wants to negate any smarts that Biden is seen as having. So he needs to take that, that away from Biden. Um, but it just looked like bullying again. It just looked really weird, ambitious and unnecessary. And Joe Biden's like ancient. Who gives a where f- when he went to college? Right?
2: <laughs> Josh Morris. <laughs> is the guy who runs the Talking Points Memo out of New York, and he tweeted the other day, he was like, does anybody even know what rank they were in in their particular class? I could not tell you.
0: I not think he, I knew at the time.
2: He, he, neither of you know. Josh Marshall, again, you know, he's, a, he's got, a few people know this, but he's a historian out of Brown University. He, he was like, I have no idea what rank I was. <laughs> no, I know
3: what I got. Um, which is, you know, Desmond for my first degree, but I did get a distinction in the Masters. (laughs) 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 Sorry, if Desmond is uh, 2-2, it's a terrible bit of... Desmond
0: 2-2. Oh, I get it. (laughs) Oh, that's (laughs) funny. funny. Two Americans, British people have different grading standards. 2-2 is like, a don't know, what, a B-plus?
3: Basically.
0: Yeah. Very good. Well done.
3: (laughs) But... So, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Joe Biden probably went to college... I don't know, in the, the 1920s or something. <laughs> you know, and... And who cares? He's vice president for eight years. He's got yeah. qualifications.
2: <laughs> senator for many decades prior to that. And he, in fact, he, he was the youngest senator at, at one point, yeah. knocking off a, 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 a well-established senator from Delaware whose name I, does not coming to me. But, yeah, I mean, well, all of that stuff. Honestly, I boil it down to... Um, his fetish for genes,
1: yeah, yeah,
2: you know it's it's really about like um, he 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 is a there is no such thing as morality like because morality is about what you are willing to do in life. Yeah. You can't be good, right? You have to do good, and or or achieve or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Merit, um, mm-hmm. merit has never had any place in his life, yeah. uh, and. He's able. He's been able to act with contempt and and impunity, while at the same time uh, holding himself up as some kind of rulermanch. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And that brings us right back to um, white supremacy, which he seemed to openly embrace on the stage the other night. And you know, as Tim, as not for the first time, and probably not for the last time, but yeah. path, hopefully for one of the last times as president. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Listen, guys, thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking to you. Um, You know, fingers crossed, you know, let's hope that democracy works.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, what's terrifying about this year and this period is how fragile democracy turns out to be. And I think that whatever happens, some very serious work needs to be done to make sure that it's it's rebuilt um, better and better protected.
0: Build back better—that's the whole Biden slogan.
3: <laughs> I'm for it. Well, it yeah. Boris Johnson's slogan, though, so I'm I'm ambivalent.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Boris stole it from Joe.
1: Yeah, let's see. <laughs> yeah, you know,
3: Joe Biden does have history with Nick in our um <laughs> our, our politicians' words.
0: Awkward. <laughs> Are we going to have a Neil Kinnock conversation? We'll save that for another day. <laughs> Emma, John, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. You too. Thank you. And that's it. As always, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at KarenJR, that's K-A-R-I-N-J-R on Twitter. Um, I I should remind you that this podcast is now switching to a twice-weekly schedule because there's just too much stuff happening. So stay tuned for a newsy update episode uh, next Monday, followed by a debate recap of the VP debate on Friday. Uh, If you haven't yet voted your ballot, your absentee ballot, if you are an American abroad, please, 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 I urge you to do so right away. I sent mine in nearly two ago, and according to my board of elections, it hasn't been received yet. So um, there is no time to waste. Uh, we're coming up on a month to election day. Um, don't leave anything to chance if you are planning on voting by post, especially from abroad. Uh, get that in right now at votefromabroad.org. Or if you're an American back home, there's a fantastic website, which is vote.org that can help you sort out your ballot. However you plan to vote, whether it's in person early, whether it's in person on election day, or whether it's by absentee ballot, make sure you've got a plan to vote that you've thought about how you're going to get to the polls, how you're going to get your ballot in, and that you've left plenty of time if you plan to vote in person. I should let you know this podcast uh, also has a fundraising page, uh, which is actblue.com slash donate slash democratically. I'm really proud to say that we've raised $3,800 so far for our fundraising page, which gives money not only to the Biden campaign, but also to the top seven senatorial races in the election so that we can take back the Senate. And of course, there is some money also to the Flippable States Fund, uh, which is aimed at local and down ballot races. Remember that we've got um, very important down ballot races this year, given that the, uh, the, the House districts will be reapportioned next year based on the votes of those legislative bodies so it it all counts please give if you can and finally uh i should say that this podcast is not affiliated with any organization or entity it is just me here all by my lonesome self uh speaking to you and wishing you a very happy weekend